The simplest working definition of narrative is that a narrative is a story, but modern media consists of stories that make up a greater narrative. These can be used to explain complex or difficult situations. They can be extremely helpful if they consist of information that is accurate and true. Conversely, they can be extremely harmful when they contain elements that are untrue. Quite often, narratives are written to play on our beliefs and prejudices, and they can be used to convince us that false things are actually true or that true things are actually false. Sometimes, narratives simply obscure the truth to the point where it seems unknowable. Current events often have multiple competing narratives, each purporting to explain why it happens and what it means. Reality is rarely this straightforward. I'm Griff Somke. I'm Jay McKenzie. And this is the Did Nothing Wrong Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong Podcast. My name is Griff Somke, and with me is Jay McKenzie. This is the first episode, and we want to take some time to introduce ourselves and explain a little bit about why we are doing a podcast and what we hope to accomplish as a result of the podcast. So my name is Griff, and I'm originally from a town called Spokane, Washington. And Spokane is on the east side of the state of Washington, which is not the side of the state of Washington most people think of when they hear about it. It's a lot more conservative. It's a lot more rural. It's a lot more even middle of the road in some ways than Seattle, Washington, which is where I live now. You grow up in a place like that, you sort of realize that not everybody thinks like you do, especially when you move to a city like Seattle and you don't hear some of the opinions anymore that you heard as a kid. I think growing up around people who are more conservative than the people I live around now put me in a pretty good place to understand both sides of the issue. Because you know these people aren't necessarily bad people, they just don't agree with you on a lot of things politically. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, that just means that like we have different ways that we would like to see things go. And that's why we have elections. Sometimes the results of the election do not go the way you would like them to go, and that is terrible, but you have to suck it up and deal with it. And hopefully in four years, you can change things. You know, I spent the decade of the OOs being pretty unhappy with the people who were running the place, saying that like at some point this is going to change and it's going to be better. If you're going to make it in a place like that, you learn that you're not always going to agree with the people around you all the time. I'm Jay. I sort of fell into this after writing a health and fitness blog for a few years and planning on, I was planning on just being a stay-at-home dad and maybe writing some in my spare time if the, if the children would allow it, <laughs> you know, put them to bed and maybe I can have a nice little hobby here and there. But well, it, it met up with 2016 and <laughs> <laughs> when I knew something was wrong in the world, I did not know exactly what was happening. I knew that Trump was saying some crazy things that didn't make sense. I knew that he was asking Russia to, to help him, quote unquote, find Hillary's emails. And, and that seemed uh, pretty bad. But then it didn't really affect his poll numbers or make his supporters abandon him. And then there was the Access Hollywood tape. And that also didn't change the outcome of the election. So I think we all lived through the chaos of 2016. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee, like two hours northwest of Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, it's certainly conservative, but kind of bougie conservative. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
but but it's also for you know my parents and grandparents it's it's all about fox news if it wasn't fox news it was rush limbaugh i grew up on bush's presidency bush 2's presidency was it was okay uh i think we all kind of just didn't talk about those last few years it was like that general you know he's well he's he's a conservative and he's doing the best he can and politics to me at that time was not something that i was all that interested in it was around me it was something that people talked about but it wasn't it just wasn't a big part of my life and I never expected it to be and yeah I had other interests and other plans and um then then 2016 happened and I knew I knew all the stuff with Trump was there were a lot of it was just nuts but I also knew that every Trump supporter wasn't racist I I, I knew that right that okay maybe if you're in New York or DC or California you don't think the the grievances or the concerns of of people in in Tennessee or all that warranted or you, you you can't relate to them but I knew that some people who supported Trump were racist and I you know had heard them um, the things that they had said about Obama and seen some of the criticisms of Obama which were just absurd and uh, but again I just mostly tuned it out but I knew the the deplorables comment from Hillary Clinton and thinking she's got a point, but that's also not a great idea. Right. And that's really going to turn off a lot of people that I know who maybe they weren't going to vote for her anyway, but that's, it's, it's not a good idea and that's not helping. I wanted to figure out what was happening, but I knew that just saying the right had lost its mind was, didn't explain it all. And I knew I, I was reading just media articles constantly every day, 10, 15, 20 articles a day, just really, you know, and throughout 2016, trying to get a grasp of how do we make sense of this? What, what is going on? And I knew plenty of stuff in the mainstream media criticizing Trump or his supporters wasn't really fair and wasn't really correct. And as someone who knew a lot of Trump supporters, I just, I just knew something wasn't right. I knew, I knew, what Trump was saying was was off, but I knew some of the criticisms were off. So I I went into it thinking, how did we get here and how do we pull back from this? And how do right. you know, I heard people kind of repeating those talking points and and I knew that Trump was kind of becoming the embodiment of that and and I thought he would just sort of fade away and and we know he didn't. Right. Now right. he's done it. Now he's done it. This'll sink him. That's it. He's done. His, he's absolutely yeah. done. No, I hear you. I was in the same boat. Like every scandal that came up, this is the one that's going to get him. The Access Hollywood tape, this is the one that's going to get him. He's no way. No way can people vote for this. And you realize that like it's not making a dent. Before I started doing this kind of thing, I was actually teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I got into that in about 2005 and went really hard at that for a number of years and won some, lost some, ran a school, taught, met some pretty cool people, had a lot of fun. One of the best things about jujitsu is that you're going to run into a very diverse batch of people that are just there to train, that are just there to get better at this. And sometimes you'll run into famous people. Sometimes you run into people who are, you know, extremely conservative. You run into people who are very liberal. There's a lot of police, LEOs, military folks that do this stuff. So I would say it probably tends to trend 
a little more conservative than a lot of things, especially around here. But for the most part, everybody gets along because everybody wants to train and everybody wants this to work. So there's a certain amount of leave your politics at the door with your ego if you want this to actually fly. But there was definitely a shift at some point. And I think that shift was Joe Rogan. Because as a lot of people know, you know, Joe Rogan's a big jujitsu guy. Joe not only had a lot of jujitsu influencer people on his show, but Joe had influencers from other sides of the world, people like Chuck Johnson and Stefan Molyneux. So all of a sudden we've got jujitsu people being exposed to some pretty terrible ideas. And that whole sense of like, leave your politics at the door started to go out the window in about 2015 and 2016. People brought that stuff into the academy and started having those arguments. And I was moderating a lot of those kinds of arguments on, you know, the Facebook page for the gym I was running and dealing with these, these arguments internally. Personally, I was in a lot of disagreement with what these people were saying. Once I found out that this was all coming from kind of a certain place from the guy who I would definitely say is the number one influencer when it comes to jujitsu culture, it made things a lot less fun. So yeah, I decided, you know, after the election that I was going to try and figure out why a lot of this stuff happened. And that was another good starting point was looking at that show and thinking, oh, okay, these are really terrible ideas that have been sort of mainstreamed to where I was at by this guy who everybody thinks is great because he trains and he's nice and he's funny and he's got this podcast that literally everyone listens to. So if you put a guy like Chuck Johnson on the air to talk about the violence gene that all black people supposedly have, you're going to get some of those kinds of ideas coming out in real life. Now, you wrote in the piece that you had a similar experience to this with your grandfather and when he started buying into the things that he was seeing and he was hearing from Fox News, from Rush Limbaugh, from various mailing lists and email chains. So you can definitely relate to that. What was it like for you watching someone get consumed by a narrative before most people even really knew what that meant? It was maddening and frustrating and it almost didn't seem real at the time but it also seemed temporary it it seemed like temporary madness because McCain lost and Obama won and who who really is this Obama guy and what's he what's he really about you know the information that was out there was really fringe. You really had to go looking for the kind of sites that would be saying all this hateful, radical stuff about Obama being a secret Muslim and born in Kenya. And I don't know exactly when the birth certificate stuff started, but it was it was Rush Limbaugh. It was pretty obscure places of the internet that, yeah, you could find, but you really did have to go looking and sometimes on websites that you'd also say, well, should I really click on that? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little dubious, some of these places. I remember looking at like freerepublic.com, I remember was one of the big ones. And that thing had like the 1998 sort of like GeoCities layout going. It was truly amazing and found myself thinking people are really taking this quite seriously. This is just 
pure rage. Yeah, my grandfather was listening to Rush Limbaugh, and at the time to me, it just sounded comical. It sounded difficult to to believe that people believed this guy, and it it just seemed like eventually, maybe a few months, maybe even a year, sanity would return, and and people were really just mad that that their guy lost the election, and we're gonna get back to normal saying boring politics soon enough and I can just tune it out and and life goes back to normal. I guess we were just kind of covering our ears and and waiting for that to happen, but we just kept waiting and the rhetoric just kept getting worse and louder and getting more attention and it seems like it's never stopped. And if you live in a place like, for instance, I live in Seattle, Washington, you could go years without hearing some of that kind of narrative about the birth certificate or any of the rest of it. You hear it when you drive out of town. You hear it when you like you turn on Rush Limbaugh or something like that. But for the most part, people had this idea that Obama had been elected. Normal politics had returned. Racism was over. We were going to be moving on into this 21st century of harmony where everybody would get along with each other. Cold War was over. Russians were nice now. We were all good. Everything was just on the up and up. It was like, you know, the end of history, like Fukuyama said. And it looked like maybe that was the case for a couple of years. Maybe maybe Francis Fukuyama called it right. And then it didn't. Yeah, I, I guess we had very different perspectives because you're in a very liberal, I guess it could be called liberal at the time, and now it's far left. I don't know what you would call yeah, it. pretty far left around here at this point. yeah. Pretty far left. Pretty far left. But meanwhile, I'm in I'm in Tennessee where every place that has a TV is playing whatever's on Fox News. Some places I'm sure it's it's Fox Business or whatever. Uh, And it wasn't as if Fox News was instantly insane or crazy, but it was one of those things where every time I went to my grandparents' house, what's on? Well, Fox News. And you go to get your oil changed and you're in the lobby and there's Fox News. And so even when I wasn't paying that much attention to it, I still saw it and experienced the the evolution and the crazier and crazier it got. Even if Even if you didn't really want to hear about it, even if you didn't really want to be a part of it, even if you're hoping it's going to go away, it was just this steady drumbeat that that didn't stop. Absolute signal saturation, basically. Repeat, 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 repeat. And even if you don't necessarily buy into this stuff, you've heard it enough times that it doesn't sound unfamiliar to you once it comes up nationally. And that's the thing, right? It, if you hear something enough from enough people, it's not fringe. It's it's not extreme. At least it doesn't seem that way to you because if Hannity's talking about it and Tucker and Laura and the, you know the whole lineup on, on Fox News is, is saying this stuff, well, it's the mainstream media may call it extreme, but to me, it's just reality. And what am I supposed to do? Ignore reality? And so that... that sense of the world really stuck and it's not like my my experience on this was all that unique plenty of people have had parents and grandparents and friends that they've kind of felt like they lost along the way but 
this is just how it hit me and how it changed me and and why I'm still here trying to make sense of it. So you said you tuned out of politics after 2008 and supporting McCain partially because it just started to get too conspiratorial and outlandish. And Do you regret that? Yes and no. It, I think I wasn't ready for it, and I think I didn't realize what it what was happening or the extent of what was happening or why it mattered i i guess i i needed to see things get worse or i needed to be at a different point in my life i part of me part of me regrets not maybe getting more advanced degrees and and having a different way to come at all this but you know we are where we are we we're we're still we're still here trying to make a difference and trying to we are at war with the army we have, to quote the late, great Donald Rumsfeld, right? This is what we ended up with when it all got crazy in 2016. There were, I like to think of it almost as like a complete reset of the board. All of a sudden, something so crazy happened that all of the old labels are a little bit out of date. And it's not going to be immediately apparent, but the whole thing just broke. And we're going to be seeing the consequences of that for a generation or more, maybe in perpetuity. Who knows? I think we realize the cost of our indifference. I think we see both sides of it because I know here I go again, both sidesing things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We... I don't think we could have gotten to the point we are we're at now and and with the knowledge that we have now if we started on this earlier if we hadn't experienced the trolling and the insanity that was 2016 2017 when everybody knew that that the old rules had gone by the wayside but weren't sure what was going to come out of it and what the new rules were and how they fit into that equation. I feel like we just learned so much by being in the thick of it and dealing with people who wanted us to just quit Twitter and quit commenting on anything. Quit saying those words. They're, they're hurting my feelings or something. Right. But we also, I think collectively as a nation, I think a lot of us feel guilty and and we probably should because we didn't really care about our politics we were tuned out and we were mostly just thinking that well that whole idea of well both candidates are terrible and politics is is just a mess and a joke and nothing ever gets done and so why even bother and we definitely bought into that and there were plenty of people who didn't and and now we see them uh their years of of kind of slavish devotion to to the narrative to stirring up trouble and causing problems has led to large platforms for these guys who do not have good intentions and do not want things to get better they want to get rich off of driving a wedge between various, you know, factions, um, whether it's right versus left or, you know, the woke or anti-woke or all these people that just want to increase the divides, right? And and our indifference, our decision to just not be on the field left room for these people to, to grow their brands and their followings and 
and their platforms. And so we are playing catch up and, and mm-hmm. that's our fault and we have to live with that. Right. And so on the one hand, we were lucky that we kind of showed up at a time when things were so in flux that you could sort of walk into the middle of Twitter, which is one of the, definitely the front lines of this type of conflict. And you could have a conversation with like a Mike Cernovic or a Jack Posobiec at the time. Those guys were still sort of growing there. So you could go right at them and they would respond to it at that point. So if you knew a little bit about who was up to what, you could really accomplish at least putting a kink in some of their plans. Maybe you're not going to stop them, but you can really make them look bad, if nothing else. You can really just basically keep the spotlight on them and say, hey, this is what he's saying now. This is what he said last week. You see any contradiction? We do. This guy lies like he walks. Yeah, now we're at the point where they can ignore it and it just doesn't affect them. And so they found other ways to get their words out there, right? New platforms, new mediums. And so the counterbalance, the arguments against them it can obviously still happen and are happening. Over time, the strategy changes and evolves. And so we're trying to evolve with it. Right. You have to, at some point, take... If you want to, let's just say, participate in an information war, you got to go to where people are getting the information. You have to figure out where that kind of tip of the spear is go there and figure out like how does this work and once you do then you're in it and even if it's completely out of your comfort zone and what you thought you would be doing it's yeah. it this is not a this is not a natural thing for us this is not what we really envisioned but nope that's okay because again if you want to make a difference you you go to where the fight is and you you have to be on their field and you even if you have to play by their rules it's mm-hmm. if you're not if you're not competing if you're not if, if yeah. you're not on the field you're going to lose yeah. yeah they are on the field and that's one of the things that like I think I'm one of probably maybe five people in America that bought Jack Posobiec's book, you know, his 4G <laughs> I'm Warfare. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. You know, I mean, I used to read all of those guys when I started out, like, kind of doing this to get an idea of what they were thinking and what they were saying. And, you know, I went and actually spent money on Poso's book, so if you want to cancel me for that now, go right ahead. But it was very fascinating to get the idea that, like, he explicitly explains these ideas in his book that... Every day, get out there and fight for the narrative. Get out there and fight to win the narrative every single day. And he wrote this down in 2016. You know, this is this is not a shock to Jack that this stuff is happening. And I found myself thinking, okay, so this is this is the game. And the people on the other side of this haven't quite figured out what's going on here yet. Yeah, and he, he wrote that when he was working directly for Roger Stone, who was, Mm -hmm. of course, probably providing his own reading list and his own uh, tips and tricks. And that's why we look at people like Jack and say, okay, it's not just that they work for Roger Stone or with him or around him. They they learn some things from them from him. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's it is a new generation and they are going to go their own way, but it's clearly the same playbook. He's a huge influence. 
he's he's absolutely like i guess i think of him as like the godfather of that whole scene he's got this whole like legacy of really awful information terrorists that came up under his wing as it were either working for one of the websites he was a consultant on like you know big league politics and cassandra fairbanks or jack Posobiec working a special projects director for citizens for trump you know these people all kind of got their their start with roger stone even mike cernovich who already had his own game going with the men's rights stuff and the the health and fitness stuff so was tweeting at roger and calling him anti-fragile and all these things in in 2016 it's a weird combination of people and factors and i think we've we've always looked at it from a slightly different perspective of well when the right was so focused on no collusion uh because they wanted the you know collusion in and of itself is not necessarily a crime so right let's focus on a thing that we can't get convicted for and then we can debate whether or not it actually happened and you know they took over the the information space that way but it it is always interesting to read as i do more and more about soviet propaganda and provocations and disinformation and things that that happened in the cold war so much of this is really just a repeat and an, and an update of what they've been doing for the longest time. So Roger Stone birthed his own little information terrorists, and they've already started to birth their own. And But you go back further and, and you see what the KGB was doing. You see their attempts to you know infiltrate or manipulate foreign press throughout the Cold War, which had varied success, but it was, it was something that they had to do without the internet. And the internet has made a lot of this easier. Right. This was significantly more difficult during the Cold War because you just couldn't push a button basically and blast out your narrative to millions if not billions of potential viewers. And, you know, spreading and amplifying their talking points wasn't a potential source of income, much less a career, much less something that could make you pretty rich. You, you've got these guys who have molded pro-Trump talking points into pro-Russia talking points, and they, they put this stuff out there and say, ah, you know, what does Russia have to do with it? And at this point, there's not a lot that you can point to with a direct relationship, but their talking points still now overlap. So yeah, it is it is different, whereas in the Cold War, the Soviets had to actually show up and have some money and pay this this group to actually publish this stuff and try to get it out there in circulation but it was all you you know direct relationships and honestly it it was really limited readership because who actually saw this and who actually bought it when oh the the real papers the big papers are saying something different so the the scale and the scope and how lucrative it can be it's it's changed everything it's gonna evolve and it's gonna change but this is the game right this is the way it's it's gonna be it's gonna work this way until it stops working yeah which could be well after we're gone (laughs) it could because there's no reason not to keep doing what they're doing if it's working this well I remember hearing a joke years ago, a jiu-jitsu guy by the name of Ryan Hall made a comment to the effect of former Yankees closer Mariano Rivera has two pitches. He has the fastball and he has the cutter. Step up and hit it. <laughs> you know, and That's I'm I'm good. a Seattle Mariners fan and I you know, he's right. It's it's really a sense of like you have this tool that's very effective, works most of the time that you deploy it. And it's relatively inexpensive and pretty low risk. Why would you not? Yeah. Why would you stop until 
you know, you've just beaten that horse to death and it just, it hasn't happened and it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. So keep going. Yeah. And they'll come up with something else. At some point, that horse is just absolutely not going to get up anymore. So they'll they'll come up with something else. It, it does change and, and they adapt. And as the rules change, well, they try to find new ways around them. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But they're always trying to reach more people and have a greater impact. And they're going to keep trying. I think the ideal at some point is to understand the playbook well enough that you can hear what they're saying and see where that's going to go in 12 hours or six hours from a media standpoint and be waiting for them right there with a narrative that explains a whole lot more about what's going on here than whatever they're saying. Yeah. And it, it can even be, here's what they're saying and here's why we think they're saying it. Here's where this could go. And we, we talk about, and we will talk about them seeding narratives and not knowing they, they're not prophetic. They're not playing 4D chess, but they understand what could happen and what the next steps could be. So Let's go ahead and start criticizing, you know, Chris Ray because the FBI might do something to Trump. And uh, we have to bring up Ray's supposed biases and, and these things he got wrong. Whatever it is, it, it's lay down a marker and aha, it comes true in a day or a week or whatever. But I think we both know that awareness is important right. and journalists being aware and everyday people knowing what to look for knowledge is power in this game and it's more than most people can pay attention to it's it's more it's a full-time job to just watch where all this is heading and journalists cover a lot of it but there's also there's only so many hours in the day and i think we've observed enough and seen enough to feel like we can contribute we can help and so that's what we're trying to we do. can be in this one little niche because we've spent far too much time watching this one group of people essentially and after you watch somebody so much you kind of have an idea of how it works for them what they are constantly doing what their playbook is and in a lot of cases the thing that shocked me the most is they'll tell you they're not really hiding much of what they're doing i mean like i said earlier you know poso wrote a book about this where he explains it pretty explicitly how this game works and you can read his words here and you can then look at what the guy actually does and you realize he's serious he actually means what he's writing here and so as a result you can either read the people who purport to expose him or you can just read his stuff and watch what he's actually doing and see if you can get ahead of that exactly and the thing with these people also that i noticed is that they're not afraid to fail they're not afraid to like completely fall on their face with the campaign they're not afraid to go out and just get laughed at and have everybody think that that was just completely cringe it's like whatever dust yourself back up and get out there tomorrow and fight for the narrative that doesn't bother them in the slightest whereas i think a lot of people it does you think about your reputation you think about gosh i don't want people to think that you know i'm i'm ridiculously wrong about all of this stuff they don't care no they really don't the only thing they they want is for you to keep going. I think the mm -hmm. worst thing is to go silent. The worst thing is sometimes they respond. Sometimes they, they attack or criticize people who attack them. A lot of times they just ignore it. And, and instead of responding directly, it's I'm going to subtweet you or I'm going to just advance my own narrative because you may say this, but I say the other thing and 
And they already Mm -hmm. know that most of the people who listen to them are going to believe them over the mainstream media. They're probably not even going to read the articles at New York Times or WAPO or SPLC or whatever it is, which is unfortunate, but it's just the reality. These people who click on Gateway Pundit and Pig League Politics and Daily Wire, any of this kind of stuff. uh, Yeah, the list goes on and on. You know, Zero Hedge readers are are not going to switch over to CNBC. So why the name did nothing wrong? Well, I'm sure we'll include in the article and, and, and any images of this, the, the T-shirts of Roger Stone saying Roger Stone did nothing <laughs> wrong and with the, with the <laughs> thumbs up, <laughs> the picture of him wearing the shirt and, and giving the thumbs up. I think in the wrong light, this could be looked at some sort of weird homage to Roger Stone. But it certainly isn't, and we. I think it's incredible to see these people get indicted, go to jail, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to them. What matters is loyalty, and as long as they are loyal to the cause, as long as they are a team player and on message and doing, you know, being good little boys and girls who do what they're told, then everyone on their side mm-hmm. can agree, well, they did nothing wrong. That's, that's just the way it is here, it it doesn't matter to them if you do something heinous or terrible or hypocritical or <laughs> it matters if you're loyal. It matters if you do what you're told. And, and as long as you are a team player, then you did nothing wrong and there's still going to be a seat for you at the table. So I think you and I mm-hmm. see it for what it is and would like to illuminate the various ways that the people who did nothing wrong actually did quite a few things wrong. And let's talk about Mm -hmm. what they did and why. When they did it, why they did it, how they did it. And who benefits. Mm -hmm. Because that's really the important thing is like, these people aren't doing it for their health. These people aren't doing it for fun. Not at this level, not at this point. They have benefactors and they have people who benefit from their particular brand of nothing wrong that they did and that's that's the fascinating part of the whole thing who's who's decided that this was a great political strategy who's paying these people and hopefully we're going to talk about a whole lot more of that going forward yeah and i and i think we both know in this podcast alternative new media space right that it a lot of times it can be used to denigrate and attack the mainstream media and i and i don't think that's what we want to do and i don't think most people who are going to listen to this want us to do because i i think the media still serves a very important purpose and i i feel like most if not all of what we're trying to do here wouldn't be possible without you know great journalists who've written great stories absolutely but i think there's sometimes uh, aspects of you know what they cover that I think we have better insight into because we just pay attention to different spaces and we we read their articles but we also you know are reading the the tweets and the telegram posts and you know the Insta- Instagram stories and whatever whatever it is I don't know if any not many of these guys are using Facebook at this point but I guess no they've all been kicked off of that too. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Um, no, no, they all got the boot from Facebook a couple of years ago, too, yeah. for the most part. <laughs> but, you know, we're a little more prepared, like you said, to just kind of like dive into the weeds and see what they're saying and where they're saying it more directly. And sometimes that's the key to understanding what they're actually up to. And why and, and who it benefits and how it could 
you know, play a role in a, in a bigger goal or effort or, you know, just agenda that I, I think sometimes people in the media see and, and are, you know, have some theories, but we can, we can publish theories that, that maybe they can't get to print, you know, and that's not right. to say we can lie, we can make things up, but we can tell you, here are the facts. We can tell you why we think some of this stuff's happening based on publicly available facts. And, and based on what's happened in the past and, and based on our own experiences in this space. I'm sure most of these people will categorically deny that they know I exist, but they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure that Jack would say, "Who? I don't know. Who? Who's that fellow?" Uh huh. Um. Yeah. You know. Hey, hey, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> How's hey, it buddy. going? <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. I was supposed to go away, and yet now I'm I'm here. Darn. Uh, still talking. Still still tweeting. Actually, trying to get more people to pay attention. That. You know, it's weird how these things work out sometimes. It's like they they didn't really understand what button they were pushing when they went ahead and did that. Some of us are not really good at getting told to shut up and go away. I mean, I get that it works most of the time, and that's why you do it, but there's going to be those people out there. It did work for, you know, on some people. Some people did leave. A lot of people that we, we started this with aren't here anymore for various mm-hmm. reasons. I think... A good number of people just got scared. Some people, it just it just wasn't worth it because they weren't getting paid to be here. And if you're going to be nope. harassed and threatened and doxxed and all these things, then then forget it. See, ya, I'm done. You know, we're still here and uh, mm-hmm. we still want to be. And I think I think we've both talked about this that the the people who did nothing wrong tried to scare us off, tried to get rid of us, and when that didn't work, they just played dead and tried to act like we don't exist periodically we find a few of them in the dms trying to make nice it's kind of interesting whenever that happens (laughs) you just you just never know who's going to end up in your dms Uh, giving you you some some backhanded compliment that that's life advice and backhanded compliments it's wonderful it's really just a plea to leave them the fuck alone please stop Mm -hmm. tweeting about me Mm -hmm. um uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we we won't we won't name any names. We appreciate that you asked nicely. We do, we do. We're not really used to that coming from you. It's a little weird to process, but you know, you just never know with 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 you people. We are still here. Seriously, though, it's been kind of a ride realizing at one point what exactly these people were up to and why and realizing that you're having let's just say frank exchanges of ideas with people who are a lot higher up the food chain than you have any right to just because you wrote some words on twitter all of a sudden these people are very very upset with you to the point where they're trying to dox you and your family and starting to try and intimidate you as much as they can telling you to go away and disappear and when you're still there after something like that it means you've kind of made your peace with the idea that this is what they're going to do this is how they're going to have things and you know keep going thanks for listening to the did nothing wrong podcast if you want to hear more you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks for listening, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.